Well, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. Everybody calls me PD. Say good morning, PD. And I just want to uh, welcome you to Connect Church, our, our church family. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad um, that you're here and uh, you're starting the year right. I just want to tell you this is a good time for you to kind of rekindle the spiritual fires. Amen? Amen. If you want it to be your best year, make it your best year spiritually. Amen. You're actually created, you know, as a spiritual being having a human experience but oftentimes we look at everything through this life and we we hold on to this life so tightly you need to wear life like a loose garment because it's temporary and we need to make the most of it by putting God first in our life amen, amen. would you join me as we pray I'm just going to pray and ask God to kind of capture our hearts and our attention father would you help every person in this room to receive what you have for them Lord customize and and specialize your word to the individuals in this room their circumstances their situation lord i know sometimes just one word from you can change everything you put the lights in the sky and you formed the seas and you created the earth you breathed air into the man into dirt lord you could just one thing you could say and things could change, and things could change. So I pray, Lord God, for words that are life. Your, your word tells us in John 6, 63, your words are spirit and life. Bring, bring spirit and life into these words, into this broken, imperfect under-shepherd. Help me, God, do a good job. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're in a series entitled, It's About Time. And our theme text is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, and it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of God's salvation or the day of salvation. Now is the time. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to use this series to motivate you not to wait, not to, uh, you know, someday I'm going to make some changes in the sweet by and by, you know, down the road, you know, I'm going to get to it. No, now is the time for you to make some changes. And every week we've talked about different things that need to change. We need to get focus for our lives. We need to get free because there's some things that we're, we're, we're living, looking through the rearview mirror. If you didn't get that message, Pastor Devin did a phenomenal job in week two. And then two weeks ago we talked about it's time, it's about time to get fit. Come on, somebody. Poke somebody in the Pillsbury dough poke. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But it's about time to get fit. Amen. And then last week, we kind of just, we called, we took a break and we did our day 22 message, which was the culmination of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I encourage you, if you uh, did not get that message, it's just, it's just all about your responsibility and your growth. And like, well, how do we sustain and maintain what God uh, has, has for us and or given to us? Amen. But today, everybody say today, today. it's time to get financially stable. Okay, and, and here, here's where I'm going before you check out. L listen, listen. Some of you are like, oh, boy. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, every year when there's New Year's resolutions, the top two resolutions are, and they are in a tug of war, they are in an arm wrestling match, the top two New Year's resolutions are, I got to lose weight or I got to get out of debt. Yes or no? And I don't know what's number one for you, but it's probably one of those two things. And so we, we dealt with uh, the fitness side of it, the physical side of it. Now I want to deal with whatever it is, but it's definitely top two. I want to deal with financial stability. It's about time to get financially stable. 
And this particular message, I just want to be clear, there's no ask in it. Some of you are like, oh, that's another church talking about money. If you came in after a long time and they're talking about money, God wanted me to talk to you about money. Okay, because we don't talk about it all the time. Can I have an amen or an oh me? Okay. <laughs> and so this church doesn't do that all the time, and I don't want you to think about that. And I'm not asking for anything. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to deal with perspective and mindsets. Mindsets. Because a lot of the things that we need to change on the outside all are precipitated by how we think. Thought, words, deeds. That's the cycle of change. You have to change the way you think before you're going to change the things that are happening in your life. And there is no area where it is more uh, significant, that, that pattern and the importance of perspective and mindset than when it comes to money. I don't know if there's an area where it's more important. How you see it, how you think about it, what your perspective is on it, I'm not sure there's one. You guys can wrestle that with the Lord. But today's text is taken from a minor prophet named Haggai. I venture to say very few of you have looked up the book Haggai recently. It's not the most popular book in the Bible, but it's actually a very cool book. There's some really strong things in there and powerful things in there. But I'm going to read Haggai 1, verse 5 and following. I'll start with the first part. Is everybody ready? It says this, through the prophet, inspired by the Holy Spirit, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, my, my uh, behind the scenes sometimes when I'm training leaders, uh, I did this recently at another church, I basically said, we've lost the art of reflection. We don't know what it's like to examine our lives. There's no examination. We don't, I always see a tape recorder because I'm old school. We don't hit pause on the tape deck and go, wait a second. Let's let the music stop and let's evaluate. One of, one of my mentors, who you'll get to see very soon, uh, in, the, in March, my pastor will be here. But one of the things he says is to evaluate your life. He did a whole podcast on this. But to evaluate your life, two, two easy ways to do that. One, look through last year's calendar and last year's camera roll. Just practical, okay? And I was doing that in the first part of the year. It's fascinating. You've seen some of the highs, but I also got to see some of the lows. Saw it in my calendar. I saw some of the things that were important and some of the things that clearly were not on the calendar that should have been important. And it gave me an opportunity to examine myself. Many people are not hitting pause and carefully considering their ways. Their ways. It's quiet in this Catholic church, very, very quiet. And so here's what this, here's what this minor prophet is in essence saying to you and to me, and I'll summarize it like this, is what you're doing working? Is what you're doing working? And that can apply to many areas of life, but I'm going to make it specific to finance because he goes on in the chapter to say, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse or a man bag. I don't wear purses, everybody, with holes in it, okay? And so what he's saying is, is what you're doing is at work. Give careful thought to your ways. And maybe you're saying, well, I have embraced God's ways, and it is working good for you. Praise the Lord. This will still have principles that will help you. There are some heavenly nuggets in here that will be really, really powerful, not just to finance, but to other areas of your life. But maybe you've got your own ways. You've got your own little homemade system. Whether you intentionally have a system or not, you have a system, and your system is producing the exact results that your system set up for. 
<laughs> okay? And so what I'm trying to get you to see is you need to look at that and ask the question, once in a while, is, is it working for you? Are you, in essence, heading towards financial freedom? Are you financially free? Do you have, this is high level, but do you have an inheritance for your children? Are you planning one? Is, is it in process? The Bible actually says to have an inheritance for your children's children. That's how far off we are. And you'll see that in just a little bit. And so are you stuck financially? Is it the same year over year? Is it worse? You know, are, are, you, are, are you pushing off the problems and it's, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll deal with that a little bit later. We'll get there somehow. Uh, and you never stop and examine you never stop and reflect. The Bible's saying give careful thought. He says you're investing, planting, a lot, but you're not getting a lot back, harvest. That's what he's saying. You're planting, you're harvesting, you're investing, but you're not getting that much back. And you can look at this through other areas of, of life, relationships, for example. Are you investing in certain, are you giving your, your time, not just your treasure, to certain things? And what's the return? What's the ROI on that in your life? Have you, have you considered that? A lot of times we're not doing that. That's why small groups are so important because sometimes we're pouring our lives into people and all there is is withdrawals. And sometimes we don't go into new relationships and new environments because we think those are not my people. I don't know those people. It's scary. And, and I get it. It is a little bit scary to move from this circle into another circle. But can I just, can I just submit something to you? Sometimes we, we call these structured relationships, okay? Sometimes you enroll in a relationship for no other purpose but to grow. Some of you get coaching. Some of you uh, get counsel. Uh, some of you get in cohorts for professional development. Some of you put your kids in gymnastic schools. And you name the taekwondo and jujitsu and all these different things. And they don't know any of those people. And you push them into those environments. And you say, they will be your people because I'm paying for it. <laughs> Shut up and get out there. And about an hour later, they come back, these are my people, and they're so excited, and they love it. And that's what will happen for you when you get in a small group. Are you there, everybody? But are you investing in things that are giving you return? Do you have, you eat, but you never have enough. Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? Are you drinking, but still thirsty? These are, if, if you can't answer yes to those, these are strong indicators of a, not a problem, but a pattern. It's a cycle. It's cyclical. It keeps on coming around, coming around, coming around. And you've got to stop once in a while. And, and ask yourself, is this, is this working? Is this working? How's it going for me? So there's this age-old story, the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. A lot of you have heard this story before. It's probably top five books, chapters in the Bible, stories in the Bible for me. I've preached this probably ten different ways, but never this way. It's so what I'm going to do. If you're a communicator, for example, I'm going to do an outline version of the scriptures here of this particular of this particular story, kind of line by line, verse by verse. We're going to go through this, but I want you to see two things: the path and the solution. Everybody say the path, the path to problems, and then we're going to see the solutions also from this story to get out of these problems. And we're going to see it through the lens of money because it actually is relating a lot to finances and to resources here. Are you with me, everybody? And so Jesus is telling a story, a parable. This is not, these are not, these are not, uh, this is not a real son. It's not a real father. It's a story. Jesus is using this story, I would say most of all, to help you get and see the character and nature of God the Father. Because a lot of times we're looking at our Heavenly Father through our earthly relationships. Your view of God is determined, but your, your view of God is sometimes determined by your view of other people. 
And so Jesus is working really hard for you to see. So the service will all end with an appropriate view of the Father, and hopefully you'll see that. But the path that got this son in big trouble is important because you can't get out of the problem if you don't see how you got there. Yes? I need some more amens from the back section. Amen? It's a quiet group back there. Up here, they're all like feisty and spitting at me and excited and high fives and everything. Okay? But, but, but I want you to see how we get there. So Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus is saying this. He says, there's a man. He's got two sons. The younger one says to his father, the younger, a little, little less prudent. He says, father, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Paraphrase. <laughs> give me my share of the estate. And so the father does so. Now, when the people are listening to this, the Jewish people are listening to this, it would be fair to say they gasp. I can't even believe what he just did as he's telling the story. Because in the Jewish custom, it, 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 in the Jewish tradition, it would be customary that when the father came home, listen, this is how it was. This is how far we are from honor. The kids would actually bow down to their father, and their father would put their hand on them and bless them. That was a normal greeting. Right. Put a hand on top of them. Now, it's just we want a hand out. Now what's common is fathers are just slot machines. You know what I mean? They're just ATM machines. It's quiet. But anyway, it's true. So this is how far it's come. So it's, they're also upset because the tradition was you don't get any share of anything until I'm gone. Until, until, until he's passed. And so he, the, the son comes and basically says, I'm not here for a relationship. I'm here for my share. I'm here for my portion. I'm not here for what you do for me. I'm here for what you did for me. I don't, want, I don't want covering from you. I want cash. I don't want a father. I want finances. And I want it now. Are you with me, everybody? That's what's going on. And so this is a prevalent, related to today, prevalent cultural concern. Here's where we start. We're consumed with wanting more. We're consumed with more. We know this to be true today, right? Yes or no? marketing and advertisers they're just you'll be happier if you have more and if you have this and if you have that i mean we're pummeled pummeled every you have this car and have these clothes and have this thing and it's it's like just you can have all this stuff and you'll be so happy and even though we're christians and we know jesus deep down some of us actually our, our, our preoccupation and sometimes our behaviors, what we put money into and not into, is revealing that actually we believe that too. We'd be happier if we had, we had more things, if we had more stuff, if we had more cash money. Are you with me, everybody? And so the culture attitude that we see in this text that is still prevalent today, we must resist it. And, and, and we got to fight back from these things. And this needs to be something that's part of your year. And so I'm boycotting every company that sells things that I can't afford. <laughs> Lamborghini? No. <laughs> Kia, yes. I, I feel that. I feel that, I feel that direction. Okay? Are you with me, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But it, we, we need to get to that place in our life because, because the more we get, sometimes it, it doesn't create less stress. It creates more stress in our life. What's sad today is when we raise our standard of living, we rarely raise our standard of giving. What we do is we raise our standard of living and we just, we, we raise our standard of income and we just raise our standard of living. In fact, oftentimes, and we'll see in a little bit, it's far worse than that. So we don't actually need more. We need more discipline. We need more discipline. And it starts with how... You think. Are you with me, everybody? So Jesus says in verse 15, in the story, be, 
Be careful. Watch, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of what he has, his clothes, his car, his house, his neighborhood, all those different things. I like my Jordans and I like my jackets. It's okay. It's okay to have possessions, but do they possess you? And a litmus test that they might possess you is could you let them go? Could you give them away if God told you to? From your house to your car to whatever is in your wallet, could you give it away? Because if you can't, it's got you in a measure. Two people said amen. Wow, this is, this is tough. This is tough. This is a tough crowd. So, so <laughs> many of us are consumed. Here's what the richest man in the Bible said. Richest man ever. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never, 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 never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people help, to come, help you spend it. What good is wealth except to watch it slip through your fingers? See, if you don't believe that, just follow any professional athlete that came from poverty, that came into money too quickly, and watch how their friends come out of the woodwork to help them spend it. And watch how difficult it is for them to manage it and to keep it. In fact, so many times you have so many stories of this. I think of people right now in the NBA who had tons of money and they lost it all. Gambling it away, giving it away, and they have nothing now. In fact, during that time, it was creating so much stress. There wasn't margin. There wasn't freedom. It was because of the way, the way they think. They hadn't given careful thought to their ways. And there was so much, so much, so much stress. And they fell prey because they didn't pray to God and ask him for help in these situations. The star of the, of the once most stimulating, intellectually stimulating comedy of all time in America, Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey, you guys, you guys know him. He said this, he said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could realize that it's not the answer. Now he's not saved, but you can see he's searching. He realized that's, that's not going to do it. He's in a different phase of life. Luke 15, 13 going on says, here's the path. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. So what, what he did is, is he, he got all his cash. He, he took off. He sets off. And this represents instant gratification. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait to get it. He doesn't wait for the right time. He doesn't wait till his characters develop. He doesn't wait for the right season for it to be handed over. Nope, he wants it now. This represents instant gratification. In our culture, we have a gotta have it, gotta do it, gotta get it now. As soon as my credit limit is just there, I'm gonna use it all. People do that all the time. I'll show my wife uh, a series of videos, and I, I remember this from a long time ago, so I had to dig it up again, but... Stanford University in the 70s did a in-depth study, get this, of, in partnership with a preschool of 600 preschools of 650 four-year-olds. I was imagining my grandsons, Hudson and Zion, and then my youngest one, Ezra, in this situation and just got me laughing. Stacey and I got laughing. But they took, one by one, they took these four-year-olds and they put them in a room, sat them on a chair at a table, and put a plate in front of them with one marshmallow. This was called the famous marshmallow test. Literally, it's, it's true. And, and one by one, under video surveillance, they would come in and they'd say, here's the thing, honey. You can have this marshmallow, or you can wait till I come back. As long as you don't eat it or touch it, 
You can wait till I come back, and I'll give you a second one if you just wait a little bit longer, okay? You got it? So you, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And so one by one, they'd walk away, shut the door, and the behaviors that manifested <laughs> during this time were incredible. Kids are just like, oh. And some of them started scratching their faces. Ah. Some started, ah. Ah. Some started picking it up. Oh, nice little birdie. Nice birdie. Nice. Some of them like, ah. this is true. Ah. Like it was cocaine. Some of them, they lick it a little bit and then. 70% of the kids within three minutes or less ate the marshmallow. Some of them within 10 seconds of them leaving the room. Only 30% made it to the second marshmallow. I was imagining my grandsons, my two, I think two of them would have probably made it, but my, my youngest, Ezra, no way Jose would that kid have made it. Not a chance. As soon as we walked out of the room, he would have downed that baby. <laughs> He's a little younger. But anyway, it was unbelievable. And anyway, what they discovered was they followed up with these kids that resisted temptation 15 to 20 years later, and they, and they did all kinds of, of surveys of their life. These kids got The ones that made it got higher test scores getting out of, getting out of high school. Uh, they, they did not struggle with their weight. They were basically overall, there's so many different statistics, but they were overall more successful in life because the discovery that we have to learn to come up against and resist instant gratification. Are you with me, everybody? And this is a foundational principle in the scripture. And I'm trying, to say, I'm trying to be a good pastor this morning and say, there's no way around this part of the Christian experience. God's not just going to shazam you down at the altars in prayer. Oh, you will never sin again. You will never fall prey to temptation again. No, you're going to have to learn to take up your cross, deny yourself if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, Matthew 16, 24. And by the way, it's denial of self, not self-denial. Well, let's see if I can explain this. If you had a throne, a seat, a chair, you really do. You have a throne of your life. Some, somebody's on the throne of your life. Jesus is or you are or something else is. But if, if, if self-denial is still you on the throne... You're denying yourself, but you're proud of yourself. And you'll fall because of that pride eventually. But if it's denial of self, Christ is on the throne, and you're trying to please him, that's why you're doing what you're doing. It's for him. It's not actually for you. Self on the throne is still all about you. Denial of self is all about Jesus. If you want to be more successful in 2023, don't practice self-denial. Practice, come on somebody, denial of self. Can I have an amen? That's better. That's better than you realized. So, so maturity or delayed gratification is the discipline of trading what you want now for what you want most. What you want most. My daddy used to come up to me, he's so good at these kind of things. Uh, we, I, I grew up in a certain amount of affluence, but my dad never gave me anything for free. He taught me how to work, I, 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 almost too much. I actually had a problem with being a workaholic for many, many years, you know. And, and, and so my dad drove a Cadillac my whole life. But, man, I didn't drive a Cadillac you know what I mean? I didn't get a hand-me-down Cadillac. You know, I, everything I had to work for. I had a job when I was eight years old. Eight years old, shoe shine business, <laughs> newspaper boy, ice cream stores, 
mowed lawns. I mean, before I was 15, I, I, I worked, sometimes I worked like full, almost like full time. I, I thought, will I ever get to enjoy life? That's what I used to think. But anyway, my dad used to say when I was young, he said, son, you can have an ice cream now or you can have a bike later. Which one do you want? He was teaching, and I was thinking, oh, and he, you know. He, I, all I could see was that ice cream. It's kind of like that marshmallow test. Are you with me, everybody? Will you trade what you want now for what you want most in the future? That's the secret to success in your finances, everybody. But culture saying, enjoy life now. Get it now. Live it up. Seize the day. And, and, and some of us, because we don't have long-range goals, we will trade today's decisions for tomorrow's blessings because we don't have long-range goals. In fact, I'm so proud of the 90-plus people that came yesterday to the money seminar. Come on, somebody. Who learned how to kind of set up for their future. Ball on a budget. Have goals out there. So good job. Our, our, our leaders are here in the room this morning. Well done, well done for that. But we're, if we don't do something like my father did with me, we are baking into our kids this instant gratification paradigm. And it's going to kill them. And then it goes into young adults, and you see young adults that are, grad that are getting out of college with, with so much debt. The average debt in college today actually is $30,000 a year, which I actually thought was pretty low. I was stunned by that. But what really stuns me more, what's more damaging is not even just the debt. It's the mindset. Just hear me on this. You don't have to agree with all this. That's okay. But it's I'm investing in my future by taking on all this debt. We didn't used to think that way. Can I just tell you, like 50 years ago, we didn't finance homes. For all those in the mortgage business, sorry, Pastor Deej, but for all those, we, we bought our homes. And until we had the money, we, we wouldn't buy a house. Things have changed dramatically. Everything's just borrow, borrow now, pay, play now, pay later, and by the way, pay later greater. That's where we're at right now. And, and, and don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just pay later. It's going to be okay. And the reality is the job that you thought that the job that they said you're going to get because you invested now, it's insufficient to compensate for the lack of discipline that you didn't have then and the lack of patience that you didn't have then. And then now you're in a situation with this great job and this great job can't compensate for the other decision you made by buying a home too early. Having kids, by the way, which is not a, not a burden but a blessing, but they're freaking expensive. <laughs> Are you with me, everybody? And we could have just waited a little bit longer and gone further faster. Right. If we just had different decisions and different perspectives. And the perspectives would affect the decisions. Are you getting something out of this right now? This is all in Luke chapter 15. Just one book in your Bible. Verse 13. Now he's back to the story. The, the, the son is flush with cash. What does he do? The Bible says he squandered his wealth in wild living. Squandered. You know what he did? He did what, he did what the devil wants us to do with our money. This is called the SC2000 make it rain gun. This is what devil wants us to do with our money. Don't worry, it's not real. A prosperity church. They're just throwing money away at Connect Church. Oh, blah, 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 blah. This, this money's so fake, they don't even have to write fake on it. So just relax, everybody. But that's what the devil wants you to do with your money. And you're like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, we are. Do you know that the, the, the state lottery right now, do you know how much money came in the state lottery in Massachusetts? $5 billion. The net profit was $1 billion. But Pastor Derek, it's for roads and bridges and schools. 
give me a break. That money in your pocket, invested in things that are related to your future, your children's children's future, the kingdom of God, it could be used much better and stewarded much better than giving it to the lotto. Are you with me, everybody? We got to change how we think. And so this, this, this living ends up in self-destructive behavior. Self-destructive behavior. Remember when, we, remember when we used cash? Do you remember? Remember when you had cash in your wallet? Some of you old-timers remember what I'm talking about? Like, we, like I don't carry cash anymore. That's a normal statement now. I don't carry cash anymore. I carry credit. Just, just some thoughts for you. Remember when we carried cash and then we had some money in our pocket and then by the end of the day we went into our pocket. Whoa, oh my gosh, there's no more. There's no more. Oh, what happened to it? We had no record, no tracking of it. But you know what we did when we spent all the cash? You know what we did? We stopped spending. Pooh, right. hang on for this profound statement. <laughs> when this ran out, we stopped. And you know what we did? We thought, if I have no more money, then I have to go to work. <laughs> this is funny. I don't care what you say, okay? And so it's a trap of the devil that we just keep. We got black belts and MasterCard. Whoa, 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 whoa. We just keep on swiping it. Just thinking it's going to go away. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant, servant to the lender. I think slavery still exists in America. Come on. Slavery and finances. Right. That word servant means slave. Yeah. It means slave. And, and, and a sign that some of us are not or are in slavery is if God was to ask you to do something or follow him in some way or even work for him, if you couldn't do it, that's a sign that there's some degree of slavery. Yeah. And some, it's extreme. Some, it's like if you stop paying, Chase, you think they like you? Chase, Amex, and Discover will hunt you down, okay? And if you don't think you're serving that, just stop paying, and you'll find yourself serving time, okay, if you're not careful. Luke 15, 14 says, and after, here's the journey, here's the path, he spent everything he had. So another attitude is spend everything you have. Americans spend 130% of their discretionary income right now. There's another country that could virtually buy us because they save 30%. 60% swing from one country to another. I think you can fill in the blank which country that is. Tell me how it makes sense to spend 130%. You know why, we, why we're doing it? Because we have no idea how much money's coming in and how much money's going out. Because right. we, don't, we don't examine. We don't give careful thought to our ways. If you just, if you just hit pause, go home, take a, take, a, take a break and look and just say, hey, what's going on in my finances? Uh, do a debt to income ratio. Uh, look and see how much money. Some people don't even know how much money they make. Many people. It's like driving your car without a gas gauge. We are living our life without gauges in our life. And so now we have new mentality. Are you guys okay? <laughs> I'm not done yet. Okay. Now you take it up from, the, I'm, I'm, I'm making a strong point so we can get to the solutions and they're appreciated. But now you take it up, mindsets. Now we have this mindset that crept in over the last 50 years and, and, and certain people in economics purported this and I understand why and I'll try to encapsulate it. But you gotta spend money to make money. How many heard that term before? Okay, but I would just say to you, if you're not disciplined, you can't do that. If you don't have denial of self, if you don't have the right mindsets, that would just mean two, two, three, four maxed out credit cards and debt up to your eyeballs. 
That won't work for people in that situation. And a lot of these get-rich-quick schemes have that mindset behind it, and it won't last. And follow for two, three, four, I used to say years, but now months. I'm going to go there because it's 11 o'clock. But crypto, oh, so many of you fell prey to that. How's it going now? Billion-dollar lawsuits. There's no quick money scheme. The Bible says through steady plotting, we prosper. Through steady plotting because God doesn't want you to prosper unless you have the character to support the cash. Come on, say amen with me a little bit better than that, okay? So the average American has four credit cards, an average balance of $5,500 a piece. And if you take the wealthy and the impoverished, put them together, the average debt per household is $145,000 in America today. That's all income levels. We are, we are upside down, okay? Proverbs 21 says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. That's what I want. But the foolish man devours all he has. But the Bible really just encourages us to have a 10-10-80 life. 10% to God. You know why? Because it shows you trust him with your finances and his system. And it puts you under his blessing and order. And the next 10% is for you to save for your future and for rainy days and for, those, and for the next generation. And then you live on 80. But you're not going to do that if you're not on a budget. That's what yesterday was about. And, and I just all I can say is you missed it. It was awesome. Okay, but we'll do another one and you should get in small groups and you should seek counsel on that. But I promise you, you can live with the pressure off. See, I'm saying this because I don't want pressure on you. But if we can't have a come to Jesus once in a while, who's talking to you like this? Tell me. Who's talking to you like this? Nobody. Nobody's having these conversations with you. So I'm either going to be hated or very popular. Okay, but Luke 15, <laughs> Luke 15, 14 basically says, here's what happens. Here's the journey. This is the eventuality. It says there will be severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. You can be sure that if you're following this path, living like this, a storm's coming. Amen. And, and you won't be ready for it. A famine is coming. And that's what happens. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, the furnace breaks. I can't pay for it. All of a sudden, the, the pipes burst. I, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to somebody right there. The pipes burst, and, and my basement is flooded. I don't know what I'm going to do. All of a sudden, the, the kids need a tooth extraction uh, because they ate more candy because I said yes to them and gave them instant gratification. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the great economy went to a bad economy, and it's $4 plus per gallon for gas. And I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that, okay? So we understand how we got there. How do we get out? Luke 15, 15 says, So he went and he hired himself out. Praise the Lord, he got a job. Amen. So some of this is just hard work. I taught my kids this when they were young because my daddy taught me this. You know, I, money doesn't grow on trees and it doesn't grow on dad. You want money? Go to work. If you need money, work. If you need money, work, everybody. Are you with me, everybody? We gotta get you. I'm amazed how many people just, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm praying, waiting. Do you have a resume put together? Send it to me. Three weeks later, you got a resume? No, I have not. What in the blazes is wrong with you? Right after I got married, I got a job in two weeks because the fear of God, I'm like, I have to take care of this woman that God has given me. I gotta, uh, if I don't, the Bible says I'm worse than an infidel. I don't want to be like an unbeliever. I got to take care of the word was motivating me. Are you with me? I'm not done yet. Okay. And so 
there's this principle in the scripture. It says this in, in Luke 15, 16. He goes on. He gets this job, and then it says he goes to a citizen. He's a citizen of this country, and, and he's working for this guy who sent him out into the fields to feed pigs. Everybody say pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So here's what's going on inside this story. The Jews, by the way, would never eat pigs, and they certainly wouldn't touch them, but the son is now working for them and wanting to eat what they eat. And it made me think about your life and my life. Are you feeding something that will never feed you? Are you feeding something that will never feed you? Some of you need to make some changes in your life and need to think differently. You're investing your time. You're investing your treasure in things that are not feeding you. That's why you want to get a small group. That's why some of you need to change your dead-end job because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. you, God has dreams for you and he has potential for you and you're living at a lower level than what God wants you to live for. And you need to believe God for more things. You're made for more. You're not supposed to live like last year and the year before that. God has bigger things for you. And there's opportunities right there for you. But you're going to have to go after them. There are promises that God has for you. The Bible says Abraham, the wealthiest man in the Bible next to Solomon, apprehended those promises. He had to apprehend. He had to go after those promises. So some of you are wasting your life. You're feeding. You're letting things, you're letting things kind of take away from you and consume you. And they're not feeding you. They're not feeding you. And then he's got this attitude in here. I'm going to read it the way I heard it, okay? And the Bible says, and no one gave him anything. <laughs> so here's another problem. Oh, uh, can we do with mindsets? Can we talk? Can we talk? Okay. No one gave me anything. Some, sometimes the, my mentor said to me, the, the decisions you make form the, form the person that you are. Sometimes we're not owning our decisions. Like, when you make decisions that are wrong, you, sh- you suffer consequences and pain so that you won't do them again. Listen, and God designed it that way. God designed it that way. And so what we try to do is get out of it as quick as possible. We live in a culture that just wants symptomatic care, not real cures. We go to the doctor and say, take my pain away, instead of stop eating that or all of that. Right. <laughs> You're going to have to stop or we're going to have to do this to you. And it's going to be radical and it's going to be extreme. Most doctors don't tell you that because most people don't want to hear that. And we're doing the same thing with our finances. And so the second issue is, are you waiting for someone else to fix the problem you created? It's a pervasive attitude. I can live how I want. I can do what I want. I can spend as much money as I want. I can go to school the rest of my life and not actually get a job. And, 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 and I'm going to... And, and I'm just going to keep doing it because I, I, I'm, and I'm going to be a victim of the generosity of someone else. Yep. <laughs> and so if you're letting, if you're waiting for and letting government take care of situations, I'm not saying there's not a place for that. If you're waiting for and letting indefinitely your parents bear you out of situations, if you're worse yet, going to a church and saying, well, that church doesn't care about me and you're waiting for that, you will always be a victim and you'll never be free. Yeah. We have to change we made certain decisions, and I'm not. And, and, and until you make that decision, by the way, the help and grace and, and benevolence that you could receive, you will not benefit from if you didn't take ownership of the decision that you made Correct. that got you in the situation that you're in. Are you with me? I'm just trying to tell you, you've got to own it. Yes. 
You got to own it. I'm here because of decisions that I made. And I'm not saying the church isn't filled with grace and doesn't have an we don't have an attitude towards people. We're not going to throw salt in your wounds and judge you and remind you of all the things you did wrong. But attached to that grace and that benevolence is wisdom and accountability. So we don't just throw money away. We don't just with, with benevolence. No, we'll say, hey, we want to sit down with you. We want to help you with this. In fact, my daddy taught me this principle. Is, is, it's bread or slice of bread is what he used to say. He says, if they have a need, if you just give them a slice of bread, you know what's going to happen? They'll be right back there tomorrow. You need to ask them for permission to teach, you how to teach them how to make bread. That's why we teach budgeting. That's why, because sometimes they think they need another job or they even need a job. No, they need to steward what they've already been given. Amen. Your first job is to steward what God gave you right. or actually get your mindset right. Are you still with me? Yes. I'm not done yet. Okay, so take ownership. Take ownership. So how do we get out of this trap? Write, write this down if you're taking notes. Face the music. Amen. Face the music. I, th I just think we have to have a come to our senses, wake up, you know, moment. And you know what makes you wake up? And, and, and I don't know how to explain this part. But most cases, what makes people wake up in this area of life is pain. Pain. The things that hurt us most sometimes instruct us most. But what I don't get is why do people have to have so much before they do? Don't be the, one of those people. Be a wise person. And, and, and look at things close. So the Bible says in verse 17, when, everybody say when. when. Basically when the pain was high enough, he came to his senses. There's got to be a time, there's got to be a moment where you're just like, 2023, I've been doing it this way all this time. I'm not going to do it that way anymore. And, and he basically, it's just like it's not working. It's not working. I, I see things differently now. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And can I just pause and just say something as a point of encouragement? Everything's better in my father's house. Amen. Everything's better in my father's house. My father will never leave you in a pig pen. He'll never left you starving or begging for bread. My father takes care of his kids. It's better in my father's house, everybody. It's better God's way. And so sometimes you'll push him off and you'll give him the Heisman. And, and, and sometimes God, because of that, if you continue that way, he'll relent and he'll let you have your pig pen, pig pen moment. Because perhaps at that point, you'll come to your senses and you'll reach out for him. And I can promise you, he will not be far from the vicinity of that brokenness. You make your bed in hell, the Lord is there, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms. But you got to come to the place where your way is not the better way. You got to get to a place where, like this series, it's about time it starts with me. It starts with me. May we cry out before we have a pig pen moment. May we cry out and realize, you know, things weren't that bad before when I actually lived off cash. Things weren't that bad before when I trusted God's word for what he said. And, and then I let something get in there and distort it and, and, and sideline me and sidetrack me. And, and things weren't that bad when I only spent what I had. Things were pretty good back then, but you won't grow until the pain of today exceeds the pain of change. But some of you are convinced that the pain of change is too much, and that's why you won't do it. 
So you got to follow this man. He, he formulates a plan in verse 18. He says, I'll set out. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say these things to him. I've sinned against you. i sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to even be called a son. Make me like one of your hired men. He gets a plan, and he decides to follow that plan. He makes it biblical. He decides to not keep spending everything he has and accrue new debt and doing all those. He eliminates the non-essentials. Stop all the Starbucks, maybe, if you're in trouble. Oh, don't touch that. Mufasa, Mufasa. Some of you, some of you have 15 streaming subscriptions. Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix and so on and so on. And I feel more spiritual resistance about streaming in here than I do finances. Here's a new perspective. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior, customs, or you could say culture of this world, but tr let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, your perspective. Here's the new perspective. Debt is bad. Saving is good. Giving is fun. And stuff is meaningless. Can we have an amen for that? That'll change your life, that perspective. Amen? And last, last two points quickly. Fix it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Oh, you know, yep, Monday. I'm going to start that. The Bible says in verse 20, he got up and he went to his father. Ecclesiastes says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Today is the day to start. But my last point is the most important one of all. And this is the one that's so critical. And that is, this can only work and it will work. And you can be successful with the help of your father. With the help of your father. Would you stand on your feet? I want to speak this over you. Your story can be different because God the Father wants to come right alongside you and help you through this. Verse 20, the Bible says, while the son was still a long ways off, the father saw him. Ha, my God, my God. He wasn't even back yet. He wasn't restored to full fellowship. He hadn't even said a word yet. He just barely turned around. You guys get this right now? I want you to see how God the Father sees you. His father saw him as filled with compassion. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And this is very different than what religion tells you, that your father is upset with you. And every time you fall and you make a mistake, he's got wrath and he's got anger and he's got judgment towards you. That's not the God I serve and that's not your father. And that's why Jesus spent all this time in this parable was to help you see your father the way he sees you. And the Father is standing at the intersection of your change, your repentance. You're owning it. You're taking responsibility. And literally, repent means to turn. Do a 180. Not a 360. Don't go back. Do a 180. As soon as you do, he's right. He sees you. He sees you, son. He sees you, daughter. He sees you, man, woman, boy, and girl. And he says, aha. Could I think he's on the edge of heaven, the doorstep of heaven. He's looking down. When his son left, he wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter. No, he was waiting. Is this the day? my son returns? Is this the day that my daughter will come back to me? Is this the day that they're going to say, it's not working my way. It's not working. It came to my senses. I've come to my senses and I know I got to go back to my father. Your father is standing on the doorstep of heaven saying that to you right now. And the question is, will you come home? Will you come home?